Hi, this is Chris Baldwin, a.k.a. Fight Goddess with Skull Combat Sports Equipment, and you are listening to Eddie Goldman with No Holds Barred. Hi, my name is Melissa Smith from GirlBoxing.org, and I'm listening to No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman. Once again, this is Eddie Goldman on No Holds Barred. On this edition of the show, we once again spoke with our colleagues Chris Baldwin of Angry Afro Radio and Melissa Smith of Girl Boxing on The War Room. A video of this discussion has also been posted on the Angry Afro Radio YouTube page. Our discussion took place Sunday, October 3rd. We finally have proof of what many already knew or suspected. Much of Olympic boxing has been fixed. On September 30th, an independent report, mainly focusing on boxing at the 2016 Rio Olympics, was released by an investigative team led by Professor Richard McLaren. His team also would help document the Russian state-sponsored doping program in the Olympics. This report documented how officials in AIBA, the Olympic Boxing Federation, fixed the selection of referees and judges at the fights in the 2016 Olympics, how they manipulated results, the culture of corruption and bribery in Olympic boxing, and how these corrupt practices were carried out and enabled by the top leadership in AIBA at the time. As the report stated in AIBA, quote, the people are the problem, unquote. It should also be added that what corrupt governments have done in the Olympic movement has been a key reason why Olympic boxing has been so corrupt. The full report is linked in the description of this show. While this investigation was undertaken at the behest of the current new leadership of AIBA, many questions remain as to whether or not corruption has been sufficiently rooted out in this organization. The International Olympic Committee suspended AIBA as boxing's Olympic governing body in June 2019 and thus far has not indicated if or when it will be reinstated. The IOC organized a boxing competition at the recently completed Tokyo Olympics without AIBA. We discussed what we know about how the Olympic boxing bouts were manipulated, some of the fights that may have been fixed, the obvious and not-so-obvious motives for this rampant corruption, the implications of this crisis in amateur and Olympic boxing for professional boxing, how this type of corruption in the overall Olympic movement is far from unique, and much more. Melissa Smith also brought us the latest news from women's boxing, including multi-divisional champ Amanda Serrano signing with Jake Paul's newly formed promotional company. We discussed what this might mean for a potential showdown between Serrano and undisputed lightweight champion Katie Taylor. What is next for unbeaten middleweight and super welterweight champion Claressa Shields, who's been fighting in MMA as of late, and much more. Plus, we discussed the postponement of the 2022 Gay Games in Hong Kong to 2023, the latest Triller Trash news, and why they are the frontrunner for the 2021 Roger Mayweather You Don't Know Shit About Boxing Award, and more. All this is part of our in-depth coverage of the corrupt world of boxing and sports governance in general. But before we get to that, a word from the sponsors of No Holds Barred. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. 
Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double End Bag the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skull's double-end bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skull's Fight Shop, advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, Please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon for much more No Holds Barred content that's at patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent No Holds Barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even mini skirts at the new no Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. What's up, fight fans? Welcome back to the War Room. This is your fight goddess, Chris Baldwin, and I'm here with my co-host, Melissa Smith. She's a women's boxing historian and my buddy, my brother, Eddie Goldman. He's an award-winning sports journalist, and we call him the content of combat sports, Mr. Eddie Goldman. Now, before we get started, you guys know I need you guys to hit that like button, subscribe to this channel if you want to look more in-depth coverage about corruption in the world of boxing and sports governance in general, because it's an issue. So you guys tune in right now to the war room. All right, cool. folks, let's yeah. just jump right into this. Uh, this past week, an explosive report from the independent investigation of the IEBA boxing competitions prior to and during the Olympic Games in 2016 was released. And oh boy, Professor Richard McLaren of McLaren Global Sports Solutions led this investigation that exposes bribery and bout fixing by dirty referees and judges. Now, I'm here in the war room with my co-host, Eddie and Melissa, to discuss this report and the future of Olympic boxing, because it is in jeopardy. Let's go, people. Hey, the, there are a couple of things that, came, that have come out. Number one, Santa Claus is not real. <laughs> number two, there is no Easter Bunny. And number three, Olympic boxing has been fixed which is something that anybody that knows anything about boxing who has been watching these things knows that that's really been the, the case. But what uh, Professor McLaren's report documented was how the specifically the selection of the referees and judges, which is supposed to be independently handled, was fixed to put in a number of what were called the five star, supposedly the top, uh, the top judges for specific fights that they wanted a specific outcome. And when there were judges that did not go along with this, they would intimidate them and not assign them to fights to the points of a bunch of them would show up to the judges' rooms in the hotels late at night, drunk, very intimidating, 
And a lot of this is detailed in the report. The one thing that they can't do, and they said they're not able to do, is they're not experts in scoring boxing. So they couldn't specifically say this fight had a, a bad score just by looking at it that boxing people might know. And in addition, there's the Olympic boxing rules are really absurd in terms of what gets counted uh, for scoring. It has to be within a scoring area. And generally, body punches don't seem to, to count very much. They're supposed to be able to count punches in the in their in generally in their fights, although they've started to alter that system. And they said, oh, we're putting in computerized scoring. It doesn't matter what system you have. The McLaren report said actually on paper, their governance and their system wasn't that bad. But, but the people running it were corrupt. And he summed it up in the report saying, the people are the problem. And I would add to that corrupt governments. You could come up with any system. The 10-point mud system for professional boxing, and a lot of people want amateur boxing to have it, is, is a pretty good, it's not perfect, but it's a pretty good system. But if the, if the judges are corrupt, if there's a predetermined outcome, it doesn't matter what system you have, because in boxing, there's always going to be a certain amount of subjectivity. And other sports have that also. Wrestling is another one where a lot of the same type of corruption that's gone on in Aiba has been, there have been accusations of by wrestlers and many people in, in the wrestling community. And of course, so who does the IOC put in charge from the IOC for this uh, dealing with Aiba? Is Lalovich, the head of the wrestling, Olympic Wrestling Federation? who has the same type of people on his board, but that's a discussion for another time. I would just say, look up who Mikhail Mamashvili and Ruziev and the, these guys are. They're the same type. But the, the, the people were a little different. The reasons were a little different for fixing uh, these bouts. The one that was probably the best known was the of Michael Conlon versus of Ireland versus Vladimir Nikitin fight that anybody watching that by any criterion would say Conlon won and they raised Nikitin's hand and the guy, the, the Russian fighter was really embarrassed by it because it was such a preposterous decision. And also the gold medal a heavyweight match between another Russian fighter, surprise, surprise, Evgeny Tyshenko, who won against Kazakhstan's Vasily Levitt. And the report goes into great depth, sometimes repetitively, about how the judges came up with this system of giving each other signals at ringside. There were hand signals. You would lean forward or lean back, depending on which corner you, you wanted to win and all of that. And all this was done. Specifically, they blamed Kareem Bozidi of France, who was then the Aiba executive director, and also uh, Wu Qingku of Taiwan, who was then the Aiba president, and also a member, a full member at the time of the International Olympic Committee, who knew and was involved in a lot of this. And the question is, why was there this fixing going on? There are a couple of reasons, some detailed in the report. Uh, other, there are other reasons that can be added to it. A lot of countries, particularly smaller countries, they have, they're uh, funded by their governments. And the the way that the government decides to allocate the funding to the different Olympic federations is how many medals they get. So particularly a country that's only going to get a small amount of medals in the Olympics legitimately in boxing, if you fix a couple of matches, that's going to really increase the percentage of medals for that country and get people talking about some of these countries. So more medals, means more funding for the boxing federations. It's an investment. Then, of course, there's gambling, 
which has been very rife in the Olympics. There's also returning favors for hosting events. When they have these events in some of the smaller countries, you return the favor by fixing the fights to get a couple of medals for their fighters. Some of them would threaten to pull sponsorship for events. That was one of the motives in the Tyshenko fight that a number of Russian uh, boxers had lost earlier and they were not doing that well and they wanted to get a gold medal. And they said, we're going to pull our sponsorship of an event unless you give this guy the gold medal. And then, of course, there's nationalism because the Olympics are a hardly nationalistic event where countries would brag, uh, we won so many medals. If, if you're in the U.S., just listen to the media reports about the Olympics. It's almost all about the American athletes, not about the sport itself. There are a couple of stars that are that have stood out over the years, but it's mostly about the Americans. And they'll say, well, we had this event today and the Americans uh, didn't place. They won't tell you who did, who was a new world champion or or whatever. So there are going to be more reports coming. This one focused on the, the Rio Olympics, which is the real watershed for uh, Aiba, one of its lowest points, one of the starkest examples of absurdity. I frankly can't watch these fights anymore because the scoring, even if we're done legitimately, is usually incomprehensible. And we know that it's been fixed for many, many years. The American announcers have been saying that for many, many years. So I'm not the biggest fan of Teddy Atlas, but he's been saying that. He was saying that for many, many years on NBC. So what did NBC do? They pulled him from announcing the event. And, and that's kind of where we're at. There's supposed to be more reports uh, coming in the next couple of months. There also were uh, situations like the super heavyweight bout in Rio between Joe Joyce and Tony Yoka. A lot of people felt Joe Joyce should have won that fight. It went to Tony Yoka of France. And again, the guy in charge, the executive director, was from France. And Tony Yoka's wife, who they married after uh, Rio, Estelle Mosley, also won a gold medal. And in France, they really built this up, the golden couple and all of this kind of publicity. And Joe Joyce's professional career has uh, gone a lot better than, than Tony Yoka's. He's a WBO mandatory, undefeated, with a big knockout of Daniel Dubois. Yoka is still undefeated, but has not gotten a whole lot of signature wins. Maybe they'll fight in the pros. There's also, and presumably they're going to try to investigate this, a lot of the uh, financial shenanigans. Uh, for example, Azerbaijan, uh, I guess it was the government, gave Aiba $10 million as a loan, and they also got another $10 million loan from Kazakhstan. And why did they give them this money? Well, it didn't say in the report. My understanding was to finance the, the now defunct World Series of Boxing, which is a complete money pit. Nobody watched it in any country. It was very hard even to find where it was, even though they had some uh, good fighters. It was one, one fight important for current uh, professional uh, boxing today where Brian Castaño defeated... Sergei Derevchenko in the World Series of Boxing, which sort of clued people, hey, this guy Castagna was a is a good fighter, even though he didn't have the 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 same profile as Charlo when they had their, their recent fight. So what's gonna come next with this? Aiba's been suspended from the International Olympic Committee. They did not run the boxing at the Tokyo Olympics. They say they're changing. A couple of months ago, they had a press conference with the current president, Omar Kremlev of Russia. And I asked them, how are you going to guarantee this doesn't happen again? How are you going to guarantee 
that you don't have a situation where the previous president, Gafar Rakhamov of Uzbekistan, who is on the U.S. sanction list for, quote, allegedly being a big shot in the, the heroin trade internationally. How are you going to guarantee this doesn't happen again? He said, well, we're changing the Constitution. But as McLaren's report makes clear, it was not just simply what you have on paper. If the people are corrupt, you can put anything in the Constitution. So, for example, the current vice president of Aiba is Mohammed Mustasini, and I may be pronouncing, mispronouncing his name. And he's also president of the African Confederation Boxing Championships, was implicated in this report as working in the fixing that's going on. He has not been removed. So the IOC is said they're not really happy with this. There's questions about who Kremlev really is. That was not his Apparently, according to the report, was not his birth name. How did he, he's supposed to be a millionaire, a multimillionaire. How did he get all his money? They, now they're saying Aiba is uh, financially stable, but they got as what they call a general partner of Aiba is Gazprom, which is the Russian majority state-owned multinational energy corporation. And there was a, a recent report that Ukraine is demanding the U.S. and Germany put sanctions on Gazprom because Ukraine is going to lose gas imports by the uh, the new scheme that Gazprom has about how they're going to deliver the gas. You can read the article. I don't want to go too much into that. But Gazprom and Aiba now have this big agreement. And at the end of the uh, press release talking about this agreement, the parties agreed not to disclose the content and commercial terms of the agreement. In other words, it, they're keeping the money aspect really secret. Why is Gazprom apparently giving a lot of money to Aiba, which is suspended by the IOC? You can ask all these different these different questions. It's still an absolute mess, and there's no guarantee that Aiba will be reinstated before the 2024 Tokyo Olympics, assuming that takes place on time, or future world championships in 22 or or 23, which means that a lot of people are going to, young boxers are going to say, why the hell should I train my ass off for this? Go to one of these competitions where it's fixed. Why even bother? Just turn pro. As, as soon as you can get involved as bad as the, the pros are, the, it seems that Olympic boxing is, is more fixed even than professional boxing, if you can even imagine that. So the networks are going to the networks and a lot of people are going to start to say, why the hell should we even show this anymore? And the future of Olympic boxing is bleak. And if there's no uh, Olympic or amateur boxing, that's going to hurt the pipeline for professional boxing because we know a, a decent amount of top professional fighters have been Olympic medalists have competed in in the Olympics on the amateur level. And if there's no Olympic boxing, in a lot of countries, it's not going to be funding for amateur boxing. So it's an absolute mess, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Uh, anytime soon but you know it's like everything else it's boxing it's completely messed up and you could read these articles you could read the long report from mclaren's organization is online it's like a 152 page report you could look up a lot of this information that's been put out there and i think we're going to be getting a lot more information in in the coming months so that, that's where we're at. It's, it's, a, it's a mess. Again, to sum it up in a word, it's boxing. That's right. And now what do you guys think about Frank Warren fighting to get Joe Joyce's gold medal back? They're not going to change it. That would be up to, they didn't even, look, it was documented that in 88, the Roy Jones fight, the decision was fixed when he beat up that Korean fighter in 
Korea. It was doc. It's been documented how much money was given to the judges at the time. They still have not changed that result. This fight was, as I recall, was a little closer. You could argue who won, but that you know that's Frank Warren saying it. They don't change it because that admits that they were that they were corrupt. So uh, he, Frank Warren certainly has a point, and I would say let them fight as pros at some point. But Joyce may be uh, in 22 in line for a fight with the whoever holds a WBO heavyweight belt at that point. He might become the mandatory. So I think he's going to focus more. Uh, more on that. And Yoke, as I said, as I said, still has to work his way up the ranks. I wonder how Yoka feels now that he's learned his fight was fixed. <laughs> like, does he feel like, I wonder, you know, I really don't deserve this gold medal, but I'm going to keep it. <laughs> well, you know, I, I think Eddie, Eddie raised this is that, yeah, I mean, they're making this, they're making the statement that there was corruption, but they can't, they're not stating specifically any specific scoring because they didn't feel that they had the, the expertise right. to really analyze the score for each round of the fights and everything else. And that might be some, an activity that happens in this next round of investigation where they hire uh, some independent, well-respected professional judges from around the world to rescore it. Means, but of course, it's always different because it's not a live fight. So you have that problem. But we we have an immediate issue, which is the Aiba World Boxing World Championships in Belgrade start on October twenty fourth. So it's not like it stops. There right, is World Championships on. this month, and you know um, there was an interview where um, uh, Kremlin was interviewed and one of the questions he was asked was, you know, how will Aiba ensure that there is no co corruption among the referees and judges? And he said, you know, we've implemented a comprehensive package of reforms, but, you know, again, let's remember what Eddie just said, which is you can have all the reforms in the world. If it's, if the people are corrupt, it doesn't matter what you say on paper. So that's number one. Um, and then they were talking about how they're, Relooking, they're going to look at background checks. Uh, they're going to go to a random selection process during the competition for referees and judges to ensure fair bouts. But uh, is this really going to give us the joy and comfort when, as some of these folks who were clearly involved in the manipulation in Rio in 2021, never mind what just happened this summer in Tokyo, we don't haven't even begun to dissect mm -hmm. what corruption may have existed there. Um, how do we believe this? And meanwhile, the fights are going on. Not only that, but they're gonna start, they've come up with this scheme to start paying the winners considerable amounts of money. Whoa. Paying Olympic corruption. athletes money for winning? Paying the elite you know, amateur fighters who win gold medals money. So <laughs> there's a lot that's still going on here in a system that is, clearly corrupt from 2016. Right. Many of the same people are still in their positions through the 2021 Tokyo Olympics in one guise or another, even though Aiba was suspended from managing boxing. We really have had no time to truly assess whether there was this kind of level of corruption and bout fixing in the games. And it, you know, I think Eddie had raised the issue of, um, Kazakhstan and um, as Azerbaijan giving $10 million investment loans to Aiba. What he didn't say is this happened in 2010. So this was not even related to the Rio games. This is an antecedent that happened in the run-up to the 2012 games. You're saying which is the $10 million was loaned out in, in, in 2010? 2010. So that's oh 11 years ago. Yeah. And, right. and the thing here is that it, this pattern of corruption is, yeah, you know, the things that Teddy, Teddy Atlas was talking about were there. And it, in that sense, it really felt like a pay to play scheme because um, as, as the McLaren report stated, you know, what followed was that the referees and judges felt the pressure to call bouts for either Azerbaijan or Kazakhstan boxes. And more than that, 
making sure that they would even qualify to be in the Olympics. Okay, so in, in 2012, there are 36 women and they were still, I think, 10 fight, um, 10 categories for male boxing. So that was a lot of bandwidth. And the formula for different regions to gain seats at the table was also very convoluted. You know, there was a number of fighters had to come from Africa, from the Americas, from Europe, from Asia. And there were point systems that were assigned and then were, there were gimmies like, yeah, okay, um, because you had a certain number of wins as an amateur, even if you lost your fight, you still had a wild card chance. This is frankly how Claressa Shields got her about in, in 2012. Oh, she was a her wild position. card. She was a wild card um, because the Americas got a wild card pick. Hmm. Uh, so you had a lot of this kind of stuff going on. And then if you, anyway, and then you layer on um, this inve these investments of huge amounts of money, um, it really does call the whole system into place. How do you really equitably choose fighters? What, never mind the scoring, how are they even getting into the opportunity to contest at these open trials? How do they get their country positions? How do the countries get the positioning to be able to compete? Uh, and, 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 you know, when it is a small country, they're up against, you know, Azerbaijan is part of Asia or they're part of Europe. So how are they competing against Russia or Germany? Mm -hmm. So which is going to have many, many more fighters. Mm -hmm. So just the chance to, to have their fighter selected for that very, very small number of spots for each region of the world gets to be complex. And that changes all the time. So you had it for 2012. It was changed again in 2016. It was changed for the 2020 Olympics. Um, how we get to the round robins for world championships is also interesting and constantly evolving. And as I said, we now have this in two and a half weeks. We're going to have world championships. And there's no sense that there's no confidence that they're the kind of integrity necessary to ensure fair fighting and fair opportunity for the, the uh, many, many men and women who will compete in these fights. Uh, it's just that confidence isn't there, especially in light of this bombshell. Exactly. And I feel bad for the, the, uh, the young athletes who have to suffer as a result, the ones that deserve to win are not winning and they yeah. have to deal with them fighting fair like they have to abide yes. by the rules but nobody else has to abide by the rules right and that's and i'm not gonna curse it's today because i read jeffrey wright's thing about debasing the language <laughs> yes <laughs> well you can you can use those words sometimes those I words felt are so bad after i read that article i was like oh i need to stop cursing jeffrey <laughs> i would just I, add this that i've been discussing this with a number of people that are involved in very heavily involved in the reform of Olympic and other sports movement. And one person just wrote to me, I'm not going to mention their name because it was just in an email, but they said, this stuff is going on in most sports. Mm -hmm. And that that's undeniable. And, and you could just, and you could add the doping uh, as a form of cheating as part of it. So if it's going on in most sports, means the Olympic movement is overall corrupt. I've advocated this for many, many times that steer clear of it, particularly if people want to make a, a new, uh, develop a combat sport or on an amateur or professional level, do it. Try and uh, create an organization with it integrity but don't get involved with this corrupt movement because the same the same stories that the other sport that i know the best is wrestling this same report could have been written about wrestling just with the names changed in terms of the manipulation of officials absurd decisions and so forth the way the way the rules in wrestling 
were changed after it was reinstated to the Olympic movement in 2013, where they gave the referees much more power to call uh, things like uh, what we call in the U.S. stalling, but it's passivity or the so-called shot clock where you put wrestlers in a down position where they have, where they have to score with the 30 seconds, which doesn't happen most of the time. And it's effectively just handing out at a point, handing out a point to one side. They brought that, that subjectivity back, which there had been attempt, not by far, not perfect and some very messed up rules, but there have been attempt before that to eliminate that subjectivity. So, the current group brought it back, and lo and behold, you have all sorts of reports of wrestlers saying they were offered bribes to throw a match and, and so forth. It could have been the same thing, just with the names changed a little bit. And there was even a report that I read, I think it might have been on Flow Wrestling, in terms of the allocation of, of officials in the Rio Olympics for wrestling. It was the same type of thing where they had certain officials that they put in charge of certain matches and in sports that are less subjective, this kind of thing is going on in perhaps in different forms, but it's still going on. So my advice to people is steer clear of this Olympic movement as much as you can, which is a disaster for world sport and find alternatives to it. And that's a, always been a big question of developing alternative uh, organizations, alternative tournaments, alternative movements to this uh, sorry mess. Well, I hope they find a way to fix this, or at least, uh, you know, for the sake of boxing to be saved during the Olympics. I, I don't want to see it taken out of the Olympics. So I hope they make a concerted effort to Clean up the sport. Come on now, get it together, people. All right, Melissa, we're going to jump into women's boxing. What do you got to report on women's well, boxing I, I, this I, week? I've got like just one thing really to talk about. I, I think next week I'll go into more of the, some of the very big fights that are coming up in October. So we'll do a segment on that. But okay. uh, the big news this week was, um, you know, we've been following uh, Amanda Serrano, the seven division top 10 pound for pound boxing champion. Um, uh, her last outing was in August on the Jake Paul Showtime, you know, YouTube star card where her fight was basically the only real boxing match on the fight. Well, she has just announced that and she and Jake Paul have announced that she has now signed with Most Valuable Promotions, his company known as MVP, which he created in June of 2021 ahead of his Showtime boxing outing against Tyrone Woodley. Um, she, uh, this means that she has left her longtime promoter, Lou Debella, whose Debella Entertainment has carried water for women's boxing for several years um, and has really, you know, done very well by her. But uh, what Paul, Jake Paul is saying is, hey, I'm vowing that the sky's the limit in terms of Serrano's future and the opportunities to make such women's boxing mega fights as the long sought after battle against another pound for pound great and the current undisputed lightweight champion, Katie Taylor. Um, that fight, you know, in fairness to uh, Lou Debella and Debella Entertainment, they have been negotiating that with Eddie Hearn at Match from Boxing uh, really for two years. And it's kind of been a, uh, a bit of a roller coaster. They were close to signing <clears throat> about a year and a half ago. And then of course COVID hit. So all bets were off. Uh, time will tell where this will really lead, whether this is real, you know, a, a vanity project for Jake Paul or something that he's uh, going to really stick with, or is he going to give up the way he's given up his professional boxing career after two fights or four fights? Um, but he's time will tell, you know, where this will lead. Um, but there have been uh, news stories circulating that match from Zeddie Hearn, uh, who currently promotes many of the top female boxing champions in the world, including Kaylee Taylor, has reengaged in discussions with the Serrano camp, potentially looking for a fight in New York City at some time in the spring of 22. Don't know where this is going to go. 
I will add that, you know, Serrano's fight on that Jake Paul card was her biggest payday to date. And purportedly, um, what was her purse mo- on that fight? What was I her think purse? it was over a hundred thousand and some of that money came out of Jake Paul's pocket. Allegedly. I haven't seen it in writing. I mean, I've seen reports of it, but, um, she got very well paid for that bout. Um, and it was her biggest pay date. And, you know, listen, we've talked before about the pay equity issues for women in boxing and, you know, all power to her that if she can leverage her, her amazing winning streak, her 30 knockouts, um, and her, you know, seven division belts, some of which, most of which were very, very legitimately won from 115 to 140 pounds, which is an extraordinary accomplishment. If she can leverage that to give, you know, really make the kind of money that top male, her, her top male counterparts earn, even, you know, she still earns their bar bill, but if she can start to get into that stratosphere along with fighters like, Clarissa Shields, Katie Taylor, you know, power, all power to her. And what, you know, Jake Paul is claiming like, Hey, I'm going to market this differently. I'm taking this out of the boxing, the normal boxing promotion. I'm going to push it out into other places. We'll see what really ends up happening, whether, uh, what other fighters, any signs, how this is going to go, but it was pretty, pretty huge for her. Uh, to leave her longtime promoter and to sort of stake a claim for not only mega fights, but mega money for women. So we'll see how this all plays out. Wow. So now Clarissa Shields is calling out Jake Paul. Like they want to, she uh, uh, <laughs> called him out to spar him or. Yeah, I got to beat him, in, the him ring. in a ring. What is wrong yeah. with you? <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, she, you know, she's got her, uh, her uh her upcoming mma bout her second and then she's looking to box after that she uh, i think we had talked last week that she had signed with sky well the week before she had signed with sky sports which also has savannah marshall the only person who's ever defeated her that was back in the amateurs actually in the run-up to the 2012 olympics um and savannah marshall is also with uh, sky sports she's going to be boxing in the next couple of weeks so That'll, it'll be very interesting to see where this goes next. I think Clarissa Shields probably will want to tune up, you know, some kind of back in the boxing ring before she faces right. Marshall. So whether it's in 2021 or sometime in 2022, there's the opportunity for that very huge uh, middleweight boxing match with an undisputed champion. So we'll see where that goes. Yeah, she said she got more money doing that MMA fight, which she almost lost against a low-ranked fighter, than she ever did in boxing. Yeah. It's just horrible the way that they're, they're just not promoting her as someone with all her accomplishments. And it was sort of a knock at her uh, management, her promoter and manager. I guess they've been trying, but the networks really are not interested in in, in giving her a big deal and putting her on. And that includes Showtime. She's fought on Showtime before and they just sort of let her go. And now she's doing in this uh, PFL MMA uh, show. They're not going to necessarily protect her by giving her an easy opponent. And if she gets somebody, I don't know who she's going to fight next. And I don't follow that that closely. But if she goes up against somebody that's really good at wrestling and submissions. She's not going to have a whole lot of chance because she's never, she, yes, she's been doing some training with uh, John Jones. who again, I just read recently got rearrested and she, you just can't learn it that quickly. She's in her mid twenties. The, the whole, your stance, the whole way that you move, the whole way that you think in boxing is different than wrestling. And it, it's really hard to pick that up. And we're talking now doing it on a professional level, not just with anybody in a gym. So we'll, we'll see what happens. So I wouldn't, if she could, she could lose in one of these MMA fights. I don't know how she'll, she'll take she that. Could. She could, but you know, Amanda Serrano lost 
and it didn't stop her purses from continuing to grow. The same thing with Heather Hardy when she jumped into MMA. She had a spectacular loss in MMA where, I mean, she practically lost her nose in that fight. But, uh, you know, it was her biggest payday and she still got more money in her next fight. So, uh, yeah, the money is there in MMA. In, in terms of Clarissa Shields, I mean, she was the main event on Showtime After Dark. And she also did her own pay-per-view. And she cannot make the kind of money she was she made on the MMA fights. And now with Sky Sports, I mean, she jumped to them because there's the money is there in Europe which is not here in the United States. Right. Do so, you think that she hasn't been making that money or pulling uh, fans because of her attitude, because of her persona? Well, she gets the fans. I'll tell you that. She's got a lot of fans. Um, and yeah, she just, she does have a persona. She is a take no prisoners person. Mm-hmm. And if, if ever she was looking to kind of, curtail attitude if you will it's long gone because she's just yeah. fed up she's like i'm sorry I, I don't have to apologize for who i am i'm talented right i'm good at what i do you have something to say say it to me in the ring and she's been <laughs> smart in terms of she's earned a lot of money she's earned a lot more than most of the women she, she gets the very defensive too quickly and i've seen that in other in other fighters who are really good, but don't feel they're getting the recognition and respect. I saw the same thing with, with Layla Ali, where she would get very defensive. I try to ask her a question. She's already ready to defend herself. No, let me finish. I'm saying something yeah. good about you. And yeah. the, she doesn't, she doesn't get the, there, there are knocks on her as, as a fighter, which I don't think accounts for the, or the crap she's taken. She doesn't get, a lot, a lot of knockouts. She's not a knockout puncher. And then there was the incident, which we had discussed before, right. with her brother attacking this uh, this elderly uh, trainer of her opponent. There are a lot of things that people don't like about her, but nonetheless, she's an extremely talented fighter. I think she still holds undisputed titles and two weight classes yeah, at, at this point. So you don't again. The talent pool is is a lot thinner. Mm-hmm in women's professional boxing than it is in men's professional boxing, but she's at the, she's at the top of the heap and she still can't, can't get the fight. And I don't think that, I think, you know, from what I've seen of like Dimitri Salida and promoter and Mark Taffet or manager, they've been trying to promote her, but it just, it just really hasn't really hasn't worked because you need a network to go in on you and create the shoulder programming and just do the, the marketing and do everything overall. They, they haven't really done that. Yeah. And that's why she's gone to sky sports because that's what they've promised to do. And, and, you know, even though matchroom and sky sports sort of split in their relationship, you know, matchroom Eddie Hearn has, you know, the highest number of sort of class a fighters at this point, he's got a lot of champions and um and sky sports is starting to gobble up the rest of, of the female um champions so that's where the money is so she, clarissa's like I, i'm if, if i don't see this path i'm going to go to that path and in that sense you know she really is supported by salida and his organization by mark Pappett. they're really out there to help her any way she can trying to zig when she has to zag when she has to and and Let's face it, she was the first woman to headline a, a Showtime, you know, uh, after dark boxing match and did it more than once and fought, you know, Christina Hammer, who was, you know, the um, middleweight champion um, for many years. So uh, she's had the big fights. Has she, has she performed to everyone's expectations? I mean, that's disputable. You'd have to really think that through and think through the number of bouts that she's been actually able to have um, and what her training has looked like. You know, she the majority of her fighting had always been in the amateurs. Now that she's a professional, you can see her a boxing IQ raise every time she's in a fight almost round to round. So I think if she's fighting now, it's a different fighter than she was two years ago. So we'll, we'll see how all this lays, plays out. But she is just un, sort of 
I'm not going to say unrepentant is the wrong kind of word. She's just out there saying, I am who I am. You don't like me. Don't watch me. Right. But I am still apologetic. Me. I am not going to apologize. I am trying here. I want to make a million dollars and I'm going to do what I can to make a million dollars. Right. And P.S. I pay it forward, too. And she does. She supports Flint. She wears blue hair every time she goes out to to raise awareness for the water crisis in Flint. She doesn't forget where she's from. Um, and she's also, you know, is learning poise, is learning how to be a media figure right. and is really pushing herself to do that. She's done a film. Right. She's got, you know, her latest iteration of herself on Instagram is with all sorts of photos with Mike Tyson, you know, so and and a whole new look to her 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 wardrobe how she wears her hair i mean she's really trying to kind of throwing things out there seeing where they land and then pushing in that direction interesting figure very exciting human being and i think she hurt herself by giving herself the title of the quote the greatest yeah. woman of all time after just a handful of fights because it's not even a, not even clear she's the top pound for pound women's fighter today, let alone of yeah. of, of all time. And, and a lot of people felt that was very uh, very pretentious. But in boxing, she's far from alone. I, I think women, and particularly black women, judge differently because you have male boxers saying even crazier things all the right. time, and people just yeah. sort of. What, say well that that's boxing with her it's taken uh taken more personally right and they, their expectation with women is that they're more humble you know you should be like uh, yeah, you should Serena be humble. and venus yeah. uh you and know, you shouldn't athlete, speak athletes and don't you know don't talk like you're from quote unquote the hood well you know what she's herself yeah, and right. she's an extraordinarily educated brilliant person and she's right to say screw you mm. you know what so yeah, some of that's ego. Some of that is sort of taking the page off of people like Ali and, and all, you know, this is boxing, right? So it's right. all about self-promotion. I mean, if, if she had to go out and, and wear a cape, she'd do it, you know, I mean, she'll- And she'll nobody do else is doing it for- Right, she's doing it for herself and she's exactly. done very well um, we love to you, date. So we love Clarissa. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm, I'm a big fan and have been really since I first saw her do an exhibition in New York in 2012, uh, just, I guess, in January of 2012, when she was in the city uh, talking about her journey to get into the Olympics. So um, I, I, I'm like, kudos to you. Do I disagree with some things? Yeah, sure. But right. nobody else is doing it. That's right. So she's paving. We want to wish all the women path. out there. Yeah. Much success. Keep doing your yep. thing. All right, Eddie, what else you got for us? Well, I guess we can go into uh, the situation in the gay games briefly. Uh, the gay, the gay games ga got canceled. No, they got postponed. The gay games, for those that are not familiar, is an event that takes place, a multi-sport event every four years, which is aimed at being friendly to the LGBTQ community. And you don't have to be any particular sexual orientation or gender identity, whatever, to be in it. Although the estimate that I heard is that probably about 90% of the participants are LGBTQ. And it, it differs from the Olympics and a lot of the events we've been talking about in that this is for recreational athletes. This is not for the elite top-level athletes that are at least supposedly going to the Olympics. And I covered the event when it was in New York in 1994. Wrestling has been on its program since the beginning, and it's been on every edition of it. They use a modified, very similar to the Olympic freestyle wrestling rules with some small modifications, mainly in, in the weight classes. They are looser. In, in that, and they held the event in 94 at, at NYU. The NYU wrestling team helped them set up the mats and do all that for the event. And it was actually, as I recall, in 94, the largest crowd for 
real wrestling in New York was at the Gay Games Wrestling. And I was at, I used covering a lot of the local uh, college and high school wrestling events at that time. And listening to people talking in the crowd, just most of them were saying, well, I don't really know much about wrestling at all, but I'm here for, because it was part of the Gay Games. And the 2022 edition was scheduled for Hong Kong. They signed that contract uh, several years ago before the the recent suppression of uh, democracy there and also before the pandemic. So they just announced that they are postponing their event from November 22 to November 23. And the reason they said they're doing that is because they wanted to have people start registering pretty much straight away. And a lot of people, they said, have not been able to train because of the pandemic. And a year might not be enough time. Again, these are recreational athletes. These aren't people at the Olympic Training Center that the train every day. And they specifically mentioned in a call that they did wrestling because a lot of the wrestlers had not had time to train. Boxing is not on the program, has never been on the program of the gay games, but someone I interviewed a few months ago, Martin Stark of Australia, is setting up uh, the World Gay Boxing Championships, and his plan is to do it in early 23. The, that was supposed to be after the gay games in hopes of getting boxing on the program of the gay games. Now, if they go ahead with that, it's going to be before the, the gay games. It still won't be on the program in 23, but perhaps it could be on uh, the program in, in future events. Uh, there were questions as to why they were postponing this. Uh, was it just because of the travel restrictions? going to Hong Kong, are they still going to be in place over a year from now? But they said there were questions because certain uh, political figures in China were denouncing Hong Kong for holding the gay games because they're starting to more and more crack down saying, you know, this is Western decadence and all this garbage. But the head of Hong Kong, who is uh, basically representing the Communist Party of China, uh, said, no, we, we support this event. We're going to go ahead with this event because it's a lot of bringing a lot of money in. It's going to bring in thousands of tourists, particularly now when a lot of people don't want to do any business in Hong Kong. So this, these, are the, these are the latest plans. I don't know how many people are going to want to go to Hong Kong for this event, and I wouldn't be surprised if at some point this gets uh, this gets changed. And, and it's it's still pretty controversial holding it there, which it wasn't as much when they 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 made the deal uh, a couple of years ago. So that's that's kind of the issue with that event. And they are tied in with the Olympic Committee and all these different organizations and sponsors, but uh, it is an alternative for. The Olympics, at least for recreational athletes, many of whom are a lot older than uh, the average Olympic athlete. So, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with this event and we'll see where they go in 26, because they're supposed to decide pretty soon where their 2026 event is going to be. I had discussions with them in 2014 when they were in Cleveland, Ohio about possibly doing something with the wrestling tournament there, but we just couldn't figure out the arrangement. So I was unable to go to Cleveland uh, that time and uh, we'll see where it is again. Right so that, that's what then. And then of course, you might want to mention my leading candidate for the uh, Roger Mayweather award for 2022. It's going to a uh, Trilla trash, a uh, boxing which is now completely screwed up. <laughs> this company had the 2020 Fighter of the Year, Teofimo Lopez, under contract for his mandatory fight against George Campos, and they've completely screwed this up. Now to the point that, according to the latest news reports, this fight will not take place 
on Triller. And they claim they're getting out of freak show fights. But what are they going to do? Just do club show fights or something? Who's going to want to sign with these people after this, this utter fiasco? And so, again, you had some of these people going in to boxing, having no idea how it's run. And that's why they're the leading candidate for the 2021 Roger Mayweather Award. Again, Roger Mayweather, as you know, came up with that famous statement that, you know, uh, most people don't know shit about boxing. There have been a lot of memes and videos of that. So You mean like this one, Eddie? <laughs> I yeah I recorded that in uh, February of 2012 uh, when they were at a, a news conference and he said that many times so somebody made a a picture of the Roger Mayweather trophy and uh, a Triller and that gang has to, they have to be uh, the leading candidates for that for this year. So. All right, we're going to make that a regular segment on this show right here, the Roger Mayweather You Don't Know Shit About Boxing Award. <laughs> all right, anything else? I think that's about all we got to cover today. You guys want to give a shout out. Uh, Melissa, tell the people where they can find you. Sure, uh, I'm at girlboxing.org and on Twitter and Instagram, I am at girlboxingnow. Thank you. That's right. Eddie. The Sage of Combat Sports. Let's hear it, brother. Where can the people find you? You can find me uh, in New York, although not running around too much anymore. You can find me on Twitter at NHB News. Uh, follow me, and if, I'll try to follow you back and communicate. There's a lot of good discussion, some garbage, but a lot of good discussion about a lot of issues besides uh, boxing and other sports. And you can go to my website, eddiegoldman.com. And my Patreon, subscribe to my Patreon. We see what's happening. If you follow this whole situation with Ozzy, supposedly this big independent media company that just collapsed because they were faking the figures and all sorts of scandalous activity. The New York Times had a big report on them. A week later, they folded. This is why we need independent journalism. So I have my Patreon page. Subscribe to it, patreon.com slash Eddie Goldman, so we can uh, can keep on keep on doing this stuff and eating at the same time. <laughs> That's right. Support your local journalists, people, independent journalists. All right, you guys, this is a fight goddess here. And you guys can find me on Instagram at La Fight Goddess and on Twitter at Angry Afro Radio. All right, this is a war room, and we are out. Peace. No Holds Barred is brought to you by LennyHart.com, the home of Lenny Hart, the legendary MMA and sports announcer, voice actor, singer, actress, and comedian. Lenny is also known for her jazz vocals with her Lenny Hart Jazz Cabaret Band. For more information, to book her, or to order a custom message from her, go to LennyHart.com. That's L-E-N-N-E-H-A-R-D-T dot com. And Skulls Fight Shop, home of the Skulls Double-End Bag, the perfect punching bag for your combat sports training. Skulls Double-End Bags provide a realistic striking target and help improve speed, distance, and timing skills. Hang it and hit it right out of the box. No pump required. Skulls Fight Shop. Advancing combat sports equipment for the next generation of fighters. For more information, go to Skulls, that's S-K-U-L-L-Z, fightshop.com. And... Adolfina Studios, original art prints and handcrafted fine jewelry. For more information, go to Etsy.com, that's E-T-S-Y dot com, slash shop, slash Adolfina Studios, that's A-D-O-L-P-H-I-N-A Studios. Also, please subscribe to the No Holds Barred page on Patreon. For much more no-holds-barred content, that's at patreon.com slash 
Eddie Goldman. Now, you can also support our independent, no-holds-barred journalism by purchasing items such as t-shirts, hoodies, tank tops, mugs, pillows, masks, and even miniskirts at the new No Holds Barred with Eddie Goldman shop on Red Bubble. It has also been recommended to me that people choose sizes on the large side, as some items may run small. You can browse all the items for sale and then place an order at redbubble.com slash people slash Eddie Goldman. Hello everyone around the world. Welcome back. This is Eddie Goldman, No Holds Barred. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of the show. Thanks for listening. If you want to follow my site, my blog, the easiest way is go to eddiegoldman.com. Dot com. For No Holds Barred, this has been Eddie Goldman.